You're listening to episode 40 of the Journey to Launch podcast. Everything you need to know about the ultimate investment and retirement account, the HSA. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. This is episode 40. Woohoo! So, exciting news. We are basically past the 100,000 download mark, which is pretty amazing. That means that this podcast through the 40 episodes has been downloaded and streamed and listened to more than 100,000 times. And that's pretty amazing. So I want to thank you, my listeners, for listening and to helping me accomplish that. Because when I first started the podcast, I gave myself actually a year to hit the 100,000 download number because just doing my research and understanding how hard it is to grow a podcast with really no experience, no real audience. You know, I had my blog before, I had a presence on social media, but I literally grew this podcast from the ground up and hustled my way with getting interviews and marketing and connecting with you guys. And so I think that's helped a lot. I really want to also thank my guests. So all the amazing guests that have come on the podcast, shared their knowledge, have basically helped us grow together. And then those amazing guests also went out and shared it with their audience, which helps it to grow. It's almost like a pyramid of help that makes this podcast successful. It's the guest, it's you, the listeners, and then really, I'm gonna give myself some credit here. (laughs) It's really, I'm thinking about you all the time. I'm constantly thinking about, is this gonna help my audience? Am I putting them first? And if I can answer those questions, yes, confidently, then I know that I have a good show, I have a good episode, and I really feel like that's what's happening. So I can't wait to see where this podcast goes in the next year, what we can accomplish together, journeyers. So please continue to share this out with people. A lot of you guys write me and say, I'm sharing it with my friends and my coworkers. Yes, yes, this is exactly what it takes for us to grow. It might be a slow growth. And of course, all the media mentions help when I get quoted or featured in big sources or big media publication that helps too. But really, it's you. It's you that's going to carry this podcast, going to carry me and help me continue on. And so just thank you. I just wanted to note that. Also wanted to just remind you that if you are enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening in Apple Podcasts. And if you're not listening into Apple Podcasts, totally fine. Just continue to share this out with your family and friends. Today's podcast episode is going to be a good one. (laughs) And I say that every time and I mean it every time. So I am talking to Jackie Cummings-Koski, who is a certified educator in personal finance. And she's dedicated to raising America's financial IQ. She's also the author of the book, Money Letters to My Daughter. And I have her on the podcast to talk about the ultimate 
savings account, the health savings account, the HSA account. I thought it was super important to just have an episode just on this account because it is that powerful. And if you have access to one, if it makes sense for you, you should definitely know about it and then find out how to invest in it. So that's what Jackie's gonna talk all about. Just a little bit more about Jackie. She is a influencer and leader in the financial literacy space. She can be seen as a repeat guest on CNBC's Closing Bell, where she shares her perspective on the stock market. And what I really liked about Jackie's story is that she walks the talk. So she herself, not only is she an HSA expert and knows a lot about it and can help us understand it better, but she also invests a lot of money in her HSA. And so she is actually on track to reach $100,000 in her own HSA account. And she's gonna share how she did that and why she started to invest that way. And she's also on the early retirement tracks, which we find out about later in our conversation, which I think will be really good to just to hear kind of her little her story about what she's doing and how she's reached to where she's reached. So I'm super, super excited for this episode. I think it's really necessary and it will help a lot of you guys understand things better. Also, stick around for the end of the podcast. I have some more updates, but any show notes that you want to get or anything we talk about in this podcast, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 40 to get links to anything. All right, let's jump into this conversation with Jackie. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to have Jackie Kosky on the podcast. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jamila. So we are going to be talking all about HSA accounts, health savings accounts, because they're such a powerful tool when you know what they are and how to use them in financial freedom and in personal finance. And I wanted to have you on because I consider you from what I know about you and just what you've been able to do with your HSA account, an HSA expert. (laughs) So please tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and what you've been able to accomplish in your own HSA account. Well, I am Jackie Cummings Kosky, and I am author of the book called Money Letters to My Daughter. It was actually a book that I wrote to my daughter about all the things I learned about personal finance and money management. At the time, she was only 14. She's now 22. But I basically learned so much through my journey after growing up very, very poor. My dad had six kids, single dad raising six kids. We had it pretty tough growing up. So I learned everything I could about money and investing and things like that. And again, I just wanted to share all that with my daughter. So as I get very close to my financial independence, the health savings account has been a tremendous tool for me to be able to get there and have peace of mind in terms of health insurance, because that's something that scares a lot of us to making sure that we have the proper coverage and things like that. So as I reached my financial independence, that doesn't concern me quite as much anymore because of my health savings account. Right. How much do you have in your HSA account now? Okay. Well, I've maxed out my health savings account for the family, me and my daughter, for about 10 years since 2008. And I have invested that money and I have never removed or taken any distributions. And actually, as of close of market today, it just topped over $100,000. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And so let's take just a step back. So when did you start investing in HSA accounts? How did you know that was what you should be doing? 
Well, I work for Corporate America and my company started offering health savings accounts for the first time back in 2008. And at first, I thought the health savings account was the same as a flexible spending account, an FSA. And I was very confused. And I said, I really don't want this because what I knew about those accounts was that they did not roll over from year to year. Well, the health savings account was different and it actually allowed you to roll over your money from year to year and it allowed you to invest. So in order to get a health savings account, you had to, and still now you have to have a high deductible health plan. So I looked at my options, did research on the plan, looked at how it would work for me and my daughter It looked good. And what I really loved about the health savings accounts was the fact that once I got to $2,000 in that account, it allowed me to invest. So I was sold after that. I think that's obviously a powerful tool. And one of the powerful things about HSA is that you can invest the money that you have in that account. So in terms of the benefits of HSA, let's dive deep into exactly what it is. Let's kick the tires lift up the hood so that people, even myself, can understand better what it's all about. So can you just explain what the HSA is? Yes. So the HSA, again, stands for health savings account. The savings is a really important part of that. It sets you up to keep this account long term. And remember, it's not a use it or lose it type of model. So it has actually four tax benefits that are really amazing and makes it such a great option. The first thing is if you are getting your contributions to a health savings account through payroll deduction, you are not paying FICA tax on that. Okay. And then there's three other tax benefits. It's tax-free when you contribute. It is tax-free growth within the account. And it's tax-free when you want to pull the money out and use it for qualified medical expenses. So all of those really add up. And of course, the option to invest and have your money grow while it's in there, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's unique because there's no other account like this, right? Because even if you do pre-tax or post-tax retirement accounts, it's either one or the other, not everything, pre-tax, post-tax and growth. Yes, there is no other account that gives you all three. You have the option to either pay the taxes now or pay the taxes later. This is the only account where you don't have to pay either. And this account was not affected by the new tax plan. It's still in place. Correct. This is still in place, although when they were talking about replacing the Affordable Care Act, there was a lot of talk of increasing the contribution limits for a health savings account. Now, we know that that did not get passed. Probably the only notable thing in terms of health insurance in the tax plan was the requirement to have insurance. That will go away in 2019. But other than that, nothing major. Mm, Okay. And so one of the things you said is that in order to have an HSA, you needed to have a high deductible plan. So can we just talk about a little bit what that means, what a high deductible plan is? Yes. Now, this is what scares people a little bit because we're so used to going to the doctor and we pay our $20 copay or going to get a prescription and we pay our $5 copay. So we like those fixed costs. However, those plans have gotten very, very expensive as far as the monthly premium that you pay. With a high deductible, you're pretty much paying out of your pocket until you reach your deductible and the deductible is higher However, the premiums for a high deductible plan is usually much lower, sometimes as much as 10 times lower than what you would pay for a traditional plan. And the premiums are the monthly payments that would come out of your check every month. 
Exactly. Those are sunk costs. So for instance, most of us just went through open enrollment. So we got a ton of choices this time. Honestly, over the last, I think, two years, we only had the option of three different high deductible plans. So I didn't even have a choice at that point. But this year, I guess the company said, okay, we're going to let all these insurance companies go for our business and we're going to offer employees more options. So I chose, it's called the bronze plan, but it's basically a high deductible plan with a health savings account. My annual premium for me and my daughter is $900 a year. That's the money that comes out of my check. Now, the first plan that is a traditional plan where you do your copay and things like that, that plan was $9,800 a year. So that's 10 times more than what my high deductible plan was. And this was the options at your job. It was either the 9,800 and or the 900 high deductible. Yes, those were not the only options. We have the little metal chart where it's bronze, gold, and platinum. The one that I gave you, the $9,800, that was the gold plan. So we had all these choices. And my daughter and I are very low consumers of healthcare. We hardly have any expenses. We average maybe $200 a year. So the deductible part doesn't really bother me. And I just happen to be able to benefit from that. But I don't really care so much about the deductible because most years we never even get close to even the low deductible. So I took advantage of that. Hmm. If someone is considering now an HSA account, first, they do need to have access to a high deductible plan through their employer, correct? It does have to be a high deductible plan. It does not necessarily have to be through their employer. They could obviously purchase healthcare on the exchange if they're an individual or a contractor or something like that. Mm, Okay. In general, it works just the same way then if you have a high deductible plan as your regular health insurance, you pay a premium every month. But if you have to go to the doctor, you just pay higher expenses out of pocket. That's correct. So here's a, a comparison. So if you have a traditional plan, every time you go to the doctor, you may pay a flat fee of $20, $30, whatever. With a high deductible plan, you are more aware. And a lot of times these high deductible plans, they're called consumer driven healthcare because it forces you to pay attention to the cost of the healthcare services that you're receiving because you're paying out of your pocket. So for instance, I think my daughter went to the doctor this year out of pocket that cost us about $116. So it was $116 versus maybe 20 or 30. But again, Jamila, the difference in the premiums alone still makes it worth having that high deductible plan. And also the high deductible plan doesn't mean you pay for the cost of what the doctor visit is, right? Like, so the doctor could bill that the visit really is like $700, but it's not that you're paying $700 each time you go. It just means you're paying a little bit higher than what you would pay if you had a regular health insurance plan. Well, here's how it kind of works. So normally you're going to pay out of pocket for whatever your service is until you reach your deductible. So I guess possibly there could be something that costs as much as $700, but for a regular doctor's visit, probably not that much. But what you do get having whatever health insurance you have is you get the negotiated rates. So for your example, if something is normally 700, well, my insurance company may say, well, our negotiated rate is only 150. So that's all this consumer is responsible for. Hmm. 
Now, and do you get that all like in a prospectus before you sign up? So is that one of the things to ask for if you are considering an HSA? Like what are the things you should consider so you know all the costs you're getting into? Okay. And Jamila, that part is so important. Even though there are guidelines on these high deductible plans and how they should be structured, there's a lot of specifics that are designed by each health insurer. So you have to look at those things. So probably the three most important things are going to be, what is the premium? In my case, my premium was $900. That's a great deal. That got my attention already. Then the second thing is going to be the deductible. How much do you have to spend in order to reach your deductible? Is it lower like $1,000 or is it higher like $5,000? And then you want to look at your total out of pocket. So that's the maximum you will have to pay before the insurance company takes over. So if you have something catastrophic like cancer or something that's going to cost you a lot in healthcare, that's when that out of pocket will be important. So those are at least three things you really want to look at and compare. And my company actually had a very comprehensive tool that allowed us to compare plans and check our doctors. That's another thing. And with any health insurance, whether it's high deductible or not, check and make sure your providers are included, the hospitals you want to be affiliated with, and the physicians that you want to be affiliated with. So you do have to do your research and comparison. And even though I I love having all these choices, it does make you have to do a little more research to make sure that you're picking the best one. Mm-hmm. In terms of the deductible, when you meet the deductible, so say you now you spend up to your deductible amount, that's not the same thing as out-of-pocket? That's not the same thing as reaching your out-of-pocket expense? No, it's not. With a high deductible plan and some other plans as well, but mostly with a high deductible, you are paying out of your pocket 100% until you meet your deductible. There are a few exceptions, like I can go to get my annual checkups, that's free. And there's a few other things that are absolutely free. But other than that, I'm paying out of my pocket. I pay the negotiated rate. So it's not necessarily rack rates, but they are my insurance company's negotiated rates. I pay that out of my pocket. And so until I meet my deductible, I don't even get the benefit of my co-insurance. So again, there's a lot of terms in the medical field. The co-insurance just says, this is a portion that I have to pay. So I have to pay only 20% after I meet my deductible. So that's where the deductible break comes in. But then after your deductible, you're paying only 20% of what the services are, still you have an out-of-pocket max that you can reach where the insurance company says, okay, now we're going to kick in and take care of the rest. We're not going to let you pay more than this amount total, even with your co-insurance and all the other benefits. So that really helps when it comes to a high-cost illness like cancer or something like that. Because mm-hmm. that was my next question is, for example, you know, I'm pregnant. And so, you know, I'm expecting to have a child this year. Just the thought of maybe switching to a plan that's more high deductible. God forbid anything happens or with a risk or just having a baby, like the cost that that would be on the family, that would be a concern for me. So are there things that people should consider that maybe it's just not the best thing for them to go into a high deductible plan at a certain point in their life or depending on just their health profile? Yeah, that's a really good point because, again, this health high deductible plan and the HSA only worked for me because I'm a very low consumer of health care. Certainly anything catastrophic can happen, but, you know, you're not going to have catastrophic issues every single year. 
But for things like known things or known medical issues that you know are going to be high cost, probably the traditional plan would work better, but not always. So you really have to look at the details because honestly, some of the traditional plans aren't that great anymore. And remember that what your premiums are. I mean, the one gold plan I had offered to me at work was $9,800 a year. Well, that was $9,000 more than my high deductible plan. Plus I could have an HSA with a high deductible plan. So that's sort of the kind of math that you have to do. So I would say typically if you have very high medical expenses, probably the traditional plan is going to be better. But honestly, a lot of our companies don't offer those anymore. Their companies are definitely starting to move towards high deductible plans with a health savings account. For at least two years at my company, I only had access to a high deductible plan. So I didn't even have a choice. You can always switch back if you change your mind, if you do not like the high deductible into a regular. Usually just during open enrollment. So if you choose the high deductible for a year, you would have to keep it for that whole year. But then if you decide, oh, this is not for me, or I, you know, I'm pregnant, I could possibly have some health issues. So I want to switch. Normally doing open enrollment, they'll let you do that, which usually happens around October, November each year. Okay. And so let's now get into like the exciting stuff that happens with the HSA. <laughs> so first of all, what's the annual limit to contribute to HSA? Okay. So you are allowed to contribute in 2017, for a family, $6,750. They just upped that to $6,900 for 2018. So you could put $6,900, let's say as of 2018, yes. into an HSA for a family. And for example, with your account, I don't know if you have an idea of how much is your contributions and how much is growth of that, like 100000 But that would kind of show us like the power of investing all that money over those years. Yes, I do have that. So like I said, I started in about 2008 and the contribution limits are typically adjusted for inflation. So back in 2008, the maximum contributions, the limit was $5,800. So I added up every year, including 2017, that I've made contributions. Every year I did the max for the family. And just to define family, it only has to be you and one other person. So either you and your spouse, or in my case, me and my daughter. So I was able to take advantage of the family, even though it was just me and my daughter. So that was nice. So total from 2008 to 2017, my contributions were $59,800. But the nice thing to that is that $7,600 worth of that was contributed by my employer. So they matched you at some point? Yeah, it wasn't even a match. They just put that in our health savings account just for having the high deductible plan. So I didn't have to put anything in if I didn't want to. So there was employees that might not want to contribute anything. They would still get that employer contribution. So you said there about 59000 of your contributions, about 7000 of your employers. And then the rest of that is growth of just in the markets. Well, actually, including my employer's contribution, it was $59,800. Oh, okay. Including, so the rest of that is growth. Yes, the rest of that is growth, which I calculated that. Now, I'm not great with math, but I came up with 62% growth over nine, 10 years. Wow. Yeah, amazing. I would have never guessed when I started it. 
So even if your goal is probably to continue investing the max as much as possible, what's your plan now to access this money? Okay, so here's my plan. I first of all, really, really like that I have options and flexibility with this account. So I could obviously use it for healthcare and expenses today, but I can pretty much pay out of pocket. Like I said, my average between me and my daughter is about $200 a year. So I just pay that with cash out of my pocket. So right now I want it to continue growing. I have it invested in a mutual fund, just a total stock uh, mutual fund. And I think I'm just going to let it ride. Again, you can't always predict what's going to happen with your health. So obviously, if something catastrophic happened, I probably would decide to use some of that money. Maybe, maybe not. But I would like for it to continue growing. I plan on retiring pretty soon here, very, very early in my 40s. And so I'd like to use that for all of my healthcare expenses once I become financially independent. And that's just another bucket of money that I can pull from. So if I decide that I don't want it for that or I don't need it or I don't have any healthcare expenses, that money will continue to grow and it can stay in that account. And once I turn 65, I could actually take that money out for anything, not just healthcare, for anything. And I would not have to pay the penalty. I would only have to pay taxes on it. Mm. So there's just so many options, but it's definitely a long-term play for me. Right. Really, all you need to say you wanted to access that money before 65, because if early retirement was a goal, I know that this account is very powerful for people who want to retire early. I think part of what the strategy is, you save receipts and you can use those receipts at any time. So like if you have an expense, a medical expense like 10 years ago, if you saved that receipt and presented it 10 years later, yes, it would work as a reimbursement, right? Absolutely. That is another really cool thing. And like you said, especially if you plan on retiring early. So here's how it works. Whenever you have expenses like I have now, I don't have a lot, but I do have some expenses. So I do hold on to those receipts. There's no time limit that you have to reimburse yourself. So let's say in 2017, I had $500 worth of expenses. I just hold on to that receipt or I file it away or save it electronically And let's say 10 years, 15 years from now, I decide I want to take that money out. I can. So at any time. So it becomes very powerful. Right now, I think I'm up to about $1,500. Not a whole lot for me. But for some people, if they're cash flowing all of their healthcare expenses and just saving the receipts, they can pull that out at any time. Maybe once they're retired early and they want to use it to go on a vacation or they want to buy a car. At that point, it doesn't matter what they use it for, because as long as they have the healthcare expense receipts to cover what they took out, that's all they need. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That means it's just a powerful thing. And like you said, remember at the beginning of this podcast, we said it goes tax-free in, tax-free growth and tax-free out when you are taking it out. That's right. No taxes ever on this money if you are using it for qualified health care expenses, regardless of when they happen. And once you turn 65, if you want to use it for something other than medical, you don't have to pay a penalty, but you would have to pay the taxes at that point. But so cool that you would have had that much money saved for that long and be able to use it for whatever you want. Okay. You kind of slid in there that you're looking to retire pretty early yourself in your 40s. I am. I want to talk a little bit about that because that's interesting. I love hearing people's stories of how they plan on doing that. But what I wanted to do is that in my private Facebook group, Journey to Launch, I asked just some questions if people had questions about HSA accounts because I was going to be speaking to you. 
And I got some really good questions. I think we answered a lot of them, but maybe if we can just select one or two, and then from there, I want to deep dive a little bit deeper into your story. Okay. This is from Iman. What is a good alternative for someone who does not qualify for an HSA because they do not have insurance with a high deductible? Okay. So unfortunately, if you do not have a high deductible plan, you cannot have a health savings account. However, I'm quite the advocate and I believe that anyone with any insurance should be able to have a health savings account. But today they will not let you have a health savings account unless you have a high deductible plan. So you have to have that and it has to be offered. If you work for an employer, it has to be offered through the employer or if you're self-employed, you can elect to enroll in one yourself. Correct. Now, this is from Charlie in the Facebook group. She asks, can you switch HSA accounts if you're not happy with the one your employer gave you? So what are the options like where you can invest your money? Is it you can go anywhere you want? How does that work? Okay, that's a great question because now it is getting very competitive as far as health savings account providers. So your company normally will have one that they exclusively contract with. Now, if the company is putting in money for you into your HSA, more than likely it has to go into that company and plus your payroll deductions. I don't want you to miss out on the benefit of getting the contributions out of your payroll check. So once you do that, once you have the money in that health savings account with your company or wherever, you can move that money anytime you want. It's portable. It follows you and you're not locked down with that particular provider. So For instance, my health savings account provider, I'm pretty happy with because of the mutual funds that they offer. But if I didn't like the investment options, I definitely would have taken advantage of moving my money from that provider to another one outside the company. So you totally have the ability to do that. And I say shop around. And you can open it up at any bank or investment provider? Yes. So does Vanguard, does Vanguard have HSA accounts? I think Vanguard does. Some of the most common ones are Optum Bank, I think Health Equity. And if you just Google health savings account providers or comparison, you'll be able to find them pretty quickly. But I was doing some research and actually credit unions are starting to offer health savings accounts more and more. And those credit unions sometimes have much lower fees and may be a better option for you. So look at credit unions as well. Mm, okay, good point. And then we'll just take this last one from Rachel. She says, what if a spouse dies? Are the funds transferable in an HSA account? Yes. And this is another great option with your health savings account. So if you pass away and you have a health savings account and you have a spouse, your spouse can inherit that health savings account and continue on with it. Now, if someone inherits the account other than a spouse, it does not continue being a health savings account and there are some taxes involved. But if it's your spouse, your spouse can get that health savings account in the event of your death. And what about in the event of a divorce? In the event of a divorce, it really didn't detail that much. But I can say, for instance, with a 401k, when you get divorced, there's something called a quattro that's a legal term that allows you to split up that 401k. So possibly the health savings account could be treated something like that. I also wanted to mention the IRS publication that details a lot more information in regards to the health savings account is publication 969. 
and it will give you all the ins, outs, and rules from the IRS in regards to health savings accounts. Okay, that's helpful. I will link this all in the show notes. So that way, anyone listening can definitely go and look it up and read and research on their own. There was one other thing that you might want to link to. This didn't come up in the Facebook questions, but I figure it might. People a lot of times will ask, what can you use the money in your HSA for other than medical stuff? Like you can use it for dental, you can use it for vision. It's a whole long list. And there's a publication that the IRS puts out is publication number 502. Mm -hmm. They can go there and it will detail out everything you are allowed to use HSA money for. Before age 65. So as they're qualifying. Yes. Reimbursements. Correct. Correct. Because it goes far beyond what health insurance would normally cover. Okay. No, that's great to note. And I will also link that in the show notes. Just before we end, I really just wanted to actually just get a little bit more into your story. So you said you want to retire early in your 40s. And what is your plan to do that? Okay, so my plan probably in the next couple of years, I've worked for corporate America close to 20 years, and I have really worked hard on my finances and investing and growing my wealth that allowed me to get this close to it. So my daughter's 22 now, she's grown. I did my best to kind of teach her about these things. But for me, I kind of have a bigger vision of what I want to do. I just feel like there's just some other contributions I want to make to the world that don't really deal with corporate America. But I really had to have my finances in order to feel comfortable to make that leap. Mm. And so are you also, in addition to your HSA, maxing out all your other investment and retirement accounts? Oh, absolutely. Probably for about the last 10 years, I max out my 401k, which is in 2018, that's $18,500. I get a very generous company match. If I put in 7%, they put in 9%. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. I got a tiny little pension there. I mean, but that's just sitting there. And then I also max out my Roth IRA every year, which is 5,500. So I've maxed out those two retirement accounts and my health savings accounts for about the last 10 years. And that has gotten me to just about where I need to be in just a couple of years. So I'm pretty happy about that. So you're on track to retire early. And then, like you said, really start just doing what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great feeling. Wow, that is so inspiring, Jackie. So thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your knowledge. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you, learn more about HSAs and just everything you're doing? They can go to my website, which is moneyletters2.com. That's the number two. I have a lot of information there and you can read a little bit more about my story. Also, my book is titled Money Letters to My Daughter. That's available on Amazon or anywhere else you get books. And I'm also on Twitter at Money Letters too. So you can find me in either of those places. All right, great. And I will definitely link all your contact information in this show notes for this episode. And I just want to thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you, Jamila. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jackie. I thought it was really necessary to have this because again, it is if you understood her and if you got what she was saying, this is truly a powerful account, a really great tax advantage account that allows your money to work for you. And she went over so many great, great tips and facts about it. 
So again, hope you enjoyed this more technical episode about HSAs. And I mentioned this a couple times already in previous podcasts, but this is the type of topics and masterclasses that I will have in the membership program. So the membership, again, it's great to hear this information on the podcast, but sometimes you need workbooks and you need to ask questions and how things relate to you. And so I'm looking forward to bringing masterclasses like this about HSAs and other things to life in the membership program. So if you are interested in learning more about what this membership program is all about, just simply go to journeytolaunch.com slash membership and you put your name and email in and you just sign up for the wait list. So that way, when I start sharing some more information about it, you are the first to know about it. Again, that's journeytolaunch.com slash membership. Also, just wanted to remind you, if you are enjoying the podcast, you know, continue to share and just tell your friends and family about it. Continue to DM me, leave the comments. They matter. I read every single one of them because I want to understand what you guys like, what maybe you don't like, what you want me to do more of. It truly helps me make this the best it can be. If you listen in Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You guys are amazing. Thank you, everyone who's already left a review in Apple Podcasts. Again, it's your way of repaying me for all this knowledge. If you're getting any knowledge, which I'm I'm sure you are, right? It really allows me to see that this content is affecting you and helping you grow. Another update. So I know it's been a while since I did a solo episode. So no guest, just me giving you an update about my life. So I actually am going to have that in a couple of weeks because as most of you know, I am pregnant, you know, (laughs) I'm in my last month. And so it's been crazy. And so I really actually, when this episode comes out, I'll have a couple more days to actually work in the office. Then I'll start working from home for a couple of weeks. And then in May, I'm due beginning of May, like right, right in the beginning, I am going to be giving birth again. <laughs> so I want to just update you guys on what's happening. So stay tuned for that solo episode coming out in a couple of weeks so you guys can hear more about me and what's been going on behind the scenes. I'm also excited to announce that for Financial Literacy Month, I am partnering with the Brooklyn Borough Hall office. So if you're in New York City, if you're in Brooklyn, they are having an amazing financial expo on April 26th. That's Thursday, April 26th, where I will be featured as a speaker and we'll be talking about a whole bunch of fun topics. So if you want to come out, if you're in New York City, if you're in Brooklyn and you want to meet me, you want to come out, definitely save the date. April 26th, it's in the middle of the day. My presentation starts at one, but the expo goes from 11 to two. So I'd love to see you there for more deets on the event. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 40. That's the show notes for this episode. I will link the event and you'll find more information there. I'll be talking about it a bit more as we get closer to the date, but just wanted to put it out there. Again, remember to follow me on all social media as Journey to Launch. Also, I have a private Facebook group. We can connect so much more there. Talk about the episode. I can get to know you. You can get to know me. So join at journeytolaunch.com slash community or just type Journey to Launch in Facebook and you'll find me there. All right, journeyers, I'll speak to you next week. Oh, and thanks so much again for allowing me to hit 100,000 downloads. Woo! All right, speak to you next week. 